It was so good this morning to sing that last song. And uh, there's um, one part in there that says, fill my eyes with wonder. And it's appropriate because we're actually going to talk about another miracle today. And that God would show our eyes with wonder. That he would show us how wonderful and powerful he really is. So last week we read the story in Matthew 14 about Jesus feeding the 5,000. And we found out that probably there were 20,000 people involved in that miracle. It was amazing. And it was also amazing that Jesus invited his disciples to be a part of the miracle. And we learned that Jesus invites us to be a part of the miracles he does today. And so today we're going to learn about another miracle. It's just awesome, I think, how Jesus works. So we're going to dive right into it. And so if you see the next part of the story, we're in verse 22. It says immediately after this. So basically... We're following on with the story, and immediately after he did this amazing miracle where he fed these 5,000 people, he went away. And it's kind of Jesus' MO. He kind of does this. He goes and does miracles, and he's among people, and then he goes away to be by himself. He dismissed the people. The disciples went their way, and he went another way. And it says he went that way to be with his father and to pray. And so I love that, that, that Jesus prayed. He, he sought God's will. You know, he didn't, after a whole day of work, after a whole day of ministering to people, he didn't go to sleep. He didn't go, you know, have a party. He didn't order a pizza. You know, what did Jesus do? He went away to pray, to spend time with his father and, and basically to probably get the next instructions. Okay, God, what's next? And so I want to encourage you just in the beginning here, if you don't hear anything else I say, I just want to encourage you to pray. You know, we, we are in times in our country, times in the world where we need to get close to Jesus, right? We need to be praying and asking him for favor and faith and asking him to help us and asking him to bless us because we can't do this on our own, right? We can't live for God on our own. And so we need to go to him every single day and, and probably multiple times during the day. So I want to just encourage you to, to pray, to pray like never before. If Jesus prayed, how much more do we need to pray? Amen? And so we're going on in the passage. Verse 24, it says, Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble, far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. Wow, we see it again that there's some trouble. There's a mess. And last week we learned that when there's a mess, that's when God likes to show up to help out with our problems. And again, these guys are in trouble. They're in a storm and the waves are beating against the boat and, and they're afraid. They're, they're a little concerned. And all of a sudden, and at 3 in the morning... <laughs> The middle of the night, Jesus comes walking on the water. Wow, what would you do if you were out in a boat on the Mississippi River and all of a sudden, here comes Jesus? You know, what would you do? You know, I'd probably be like, whoa, what is going on? And exactly that was, that was what they did. In fact, we're going to read about three different miracles in this short little passage. And so the first one is Jesus is walking on the water. And let's see what happens to the disciples. Verse 26, when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. 
In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. You know, what else you'll find out in the Gospels as you read these stories is you'll find when the disciples are away from Jesus, they're powerless, fearful, worried, concerned. They don't know what to do. But when Jesus comes around, they're full of faith. It's all good. Everything's fine. Isn't that what our lives are like too? <laughs> you know, without Jesus, it's kind of a mess, right? But when we go back and look to Jesus, he guides us, he directs us, he puts us back on path. But it also says they were terrified. They were afraid. They were like, who are we going to call? Ghostbusters, right? You know, they thought Jesus was a ghost. And they were like, what is going on? Have you guys ever been afraid before? Or what are you afraid of? That would be the question. You don't have to answer me aloud, but I just want you to think about that. What, what brings you fear or what, what makes you feel afraid? You know, it's kind of interesting that most of these guys in this boat spend a lot of time on the water, right? They were fishermen, a lot of them. They were used to the water. So things must be really bad if it says they're afraid, even terrified. You know, I love it that Jesus gives us some verses. God gives us some verses to help us when we're afraid. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. God's spirit brings us power, love, and self-discipline. And a lot of times when we talk about fear, that's coming from somewhere else other than God. He doesn't want us to be afraid. In fact, he gives us his spirit to give us peace. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has, has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. And so it says here that when we're loved, really loved by someone, really loved by Jesus, we don't have to be afraid because we know he is in control. In fact, it says it drives out fear. Jesus drives away our fears because of his love. You know, verse 28 there, it says, Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Verse 29, this is where it gets exciting. Jesus says, yes, come. And Jesus said, so Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on water towards Jesus. So not only is Jesus walking on water, first miracle, what's the second miracle? Now Peter's walking on water. You know, and I want to encourage you with this, is I believe he's not just walking on water, but he's walking on the word of God. It says, Jesus said what? Come. He didn't just blankly take a nosedive over the boat. He did it because Jesus said, come to me. Come to me. You're going to be all right. Come on. And I believe he was saying, come to the, everyone in the boat. But Peter was, you know, he's a cool dude. He's like, I'm not going to just chill out in the safety in this boat. I want to do something I've never done before. How many have ever done that? How many have ever went bungee jumping or, or jumped out of a plane? I'm not doing any of that. I'm telling you. <laughs> I, I don't like heights, really. Um, but you know what? That's Peter. He's like, I'm getting out of the boat. I'm not going to stay here with all the rest of you. I want to live by faith. You know, 
he also stood on God's word. He said, come. How many of you have like a life verse or a verse that God has spoken to you through? Something where it was powerful, where you heard from God through his word or he spoke to you. And because of that, you had confidence and faith knowing he was going to be with you. You see, in high school or, you know, in high school, I know you, people start thinking about maybe one day I'll get married. I don't know when you start thinking about that. And maybe you went on a couple dates. Maybe you went to prom. I don't know. But you started getting those butterflies about, ooh, I can't wait till I meet that special someone. You guys don't get that? Nothing happened like that to you? <laughs> you know? So I did. And then I went to this Christian college where one of the degrees people could get was called an MRS degree, okay? And the idea with the MRS degree is you were supposed to find your wife or your husband either way while you're in college, okay? And if you didn't get that MRS degree, I don't know when you're going to find that person. You're in trouble, you know? So I was one of those people. I didn't find my wife in college, you know? But I was kind of actually kind of thankful for it because I was looking forward to going off and doing something for God. But I remember one of my roommates, my best friend at the time, he was reading his Bible, and he, he showed me this verse, and it's found in Th Psalm 37, verse 4. And it says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Let me say that again. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And so I started applying that to my future wife. I started saying, okay, if I get excited about Jesus, the promise is God's going to give me what I want, right? And at the time I was like, oh, probably some beautiful woman. You know what I'm saying? But actually I prayed this really seriously. I prayed these two things about my wife. When I heard that verse, I'm like, I know God's going to give me the desires of my heart as I pray and seek him. And so two things I prayed for, I said, God... I want you to give me a wife who loves you, someone who loves Jesus. That was my, my first prerequisite. She had to love Jesus. The second thing, because I'm just going to tell you, if you're here and you're single today, if you're thinking about dating someone or marrying someone who's not a Christian, who doesn't love Jesus, that's just going to be trouble for you, okay? I'm not going to go in that. This isn't a message on marriage today. But I'm going to encourage you, if you're going to look for someone or dream for someone, to find someone who loves Jesus. So that was my first prerequisite. Number two was that she would love kids. Because God was moving on my heart to work with young people, to work with teenagers and children in ministry. And so I wanted someone who could join me in doing that. This could help me out. You know, so those are my two prayer requests. So a few years later, I'm working on the south side of Chicago in the south suburbs in kind of a rough neighborhood. And while I was there, we had teams of people come in to serve Jesus. And I'll just be honest with you, every once in a while I'd be like, hey, is there any cuties in this group, you know? <laughs> you know? Is there anybody that would, you know, would catch my eye, you know? And uh, one year, uh, a group came from the Quad Cities of all places, you know? And I was like, what in the world? I don't even know where Moline, Illinois is, you know? And so... One of the rules I had for any group that would come serve with us, because we had shootings in our neighborhood, we had people killed in our neighborhood, we did a lot of funerals at our church for people that died because of violence, gangs were in our area, and we ministered to a lot of kids that were in this, were, were in this lifestyle. 
And so I would tell the, the people that came to serve, don't go out alone in our neighborhood. Go out two by two or three by three, but don't go out alone. That was my biggest rule because it's a little bit dangerous here, and I want you guys to be safe. And so one day we had this humongous vacation Bible school. A bunch of kids came. We had a great time. We all walked the kids home, and we were kind of rejoicing, had lunch, and it was fun. And then we kind of looked around, and we were like, where is Elizabeth? Everybody was like, where's Elizabeth? And no one could find her, you know. And so I kind of ran outside to be like, where is this girl at, you know. And here she was across the street by herself playing with the kids and the family that lived across the street. And I don't know about you, but it was like I was walking on water in that moment because I saw this beautiful girl across the street playing with kids, and I was like, I feel like I'm walking on water. Have you guys ever experienced that before? Later on the week, we were walking the kids home, and I was holding this one girl's hand on one side, and she was holding her hand on the other side, and the sunlight was coming down, and I was like, I'm walking on water. This, is, this might be my wife someday. I didn't know at the time, you know. But that's what it means. Maybe we don't, maybe we're never going to walk on water. But God wants us to experience things that could only be him, that he puts together, that he makes happen. Because all of a sudden, I met a girl who loved Jesus, loved kids, bing, bing, bing. But guess what? She was very pretty too. <laughs> so, and I think God knew that. He knew my heart. He knows your heart. He knows the desires of your heart before you even pray them. And he desperately wants to bless you with those things. And so not only was Peter standing on the water, he was standing on God's word. Let's go on here. Verse, the next verse, it says, verse 30, but when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? See, this is what happened. And this is what happens with us. We start to walk in the miracles of God and see amazing things happen. But then we look around at our circumstances and we get distracted, right? How many have ever been distracted in our day today? We, you know, we, there's a lot of things to distract us. There's a lot of things that draw away our attention from Jesus because if Peter just kept his eyes on Jesus, he would have kept walking on water, right? But instead he looked around at everything else and he started to sink. You know, it's interesting because a student of mine went to college and he came back home and he shared with me about one of the classes he was taking. He said, in this class, the professor taught them that if you go to some faraway countries, they have idols that they worship. They don't worship Jesus. They don't worship our God. They work, worship idols. And he says how they form their worship of idols is they put their idols in the middle of the room and then they put all their furniture around their idols pointing directly towards that idol in the room, right? Their whole house points to the idols. That seems kind of familiar, right? In fact, I have a room in my house that has this humongous sectional that points right towards my huge TV, right? And now what do we do? We even knock down the walls and make open concepts so everything focuses right on the TV, right? We don't want to miss anything. You know, think about that. Now the TV is right in our hands. We can watch all that stuff right in the palm of our hands. 
how many distractions are keeping us from Jesus? And we might wonder, why aren't we seeing more miracles in our life? Why aren't we seeing more miracles in America? Maybe because we're pretty distracted. And I'm not trying to be down on you because I'm one of the most distracted people. I, I spent a lot of time yesterday watching the Bears, watching some other teams play. You know, this time of year is tough for me because I love football. Not only was he distracted, but he started to drown. And this, here's the other side of the things. Not only are you distracted, but how many of you know that there are so many people drowning in sin? They're just in a world of hurt. They don't even know Jesus. They're doing their own thing. And whether they know it or not, they're drowning. And the waves are around them, and they don't know what to do. And they're not even looking to Jesus. You know, it's scary times that we're in. But the thing is, during these times, we need to put our focus back on Jesus. I'll give you guys another little story. So I worked at a camp one summer. Uh, my friend that had shared that verse with me, uh, my sophomore year of college, he came to me and said, hey, would you like to work at this Christian camp with me? And I said, sure, I'll do it. And it was up in the Adirondack Mountains called Camp of the Woods. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. But we went up there, me and him together in my small little car, and we worked all summer long as busboys. <laughs> they had a huge uh, dining hall, and we did that, just taking care of people. And it was cool because not only did I get to work with a lot of amazing Christians, but I also got to learn how to serve that summer. Well, after we would get off from working, many of us would go down to the beach and go for a swim. And one day, in the middle of the lake we were working at, not in the middle, but a little far off from the shore, was a little dock. And a lot of people swam out to the dock, and they could hang out and have fun out there. So a lot of my friends were out at that dock, and I'm saying, okay, I guess I'm going to swim out there. <laughs> and I was a decent swimmer in a pool, but I don't know about a lake, you know. And so I started to swim, and after a little while, I was got, getting tired, and I noticed every time I came out of the water, there was waves kind of filling my mouth. And I got to a point where I was about, man, still about 50 yards from that dock. And I started to sink. And I started to cry out. In fact, my buddy was on the dock already. I was like, Dan, save me. You know, in fact, I was like, you had that little doohickey that floats? Throw it out to me. And he was, the guys, they were all laughing at me like, oh, look at Joe. Finally, I was like, No. Throw that thing because I'm going down, you know. And they finally threw it to me. But I'm going to tell you something. I barely made it onto that dock, and I was so thankful that I got on there. But I'm going to tell you something. I understand what it looks like to, to almost drown. It's not fun, you know. And so I'm thankful that Jesus was there to save Peter. And the Bible says that immediately as he called out, save me, Jesus re reached out his hand and grabbed him out of the water. And got him back in the boat. Now to end this message, uh, let's go to the last few verses. Verse 32, they says, when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. They and they said this. They worshipped him. They all got in the boat. And then check this out. The wind stopped. And the waves stopped. And they all said, you really are the son of God. You know, Jesus did all these miracles. Miracle one, he walked on water. Miracle two, Peter was walking on water with him. But then all of a sudden, he stopped the storm. He stopped the wind. 
And they were like, whoa, you really are the son of God. Even the wind, you're in charge of the wind. Man, I don't know about you, but that is some power. But not only that, their eyes were open that this wasn't just a man, a great man doing miracles. This was the Messiah. This was the one that would go to the cross and die for their sins. They didn't know all that at the time, but their eyes were beginning to be opened to who Jesus really was. And I believe he did all this to show them, it was God's plan to show them some of their purpose. Because they were going to, their job was to share with the whole world who Jesus really was. And God was beginning to prepare them for that. You know, I'm going to share one last story because I think the moral of this whole idea is, one, that we need to look to Jesus. And number two, we need to expect that when we do, that he will do miracles. He can still do miracles. About 25 years ago, I grew up in the church all my life. I remember when I was five years old praying a prayer to say yes to Jesus, please save me. And so I grew up in the church all my life, but sometimes I'd read these stories, but I'd, like, I'd be like, oh, is that really going to happen today? You know, can we really see someone walking on water or feeding 5,000 people? I don't know. I think it's just kind of a bunch of stories. They're cool stories. They're encouraging, but I don't know if that happens today. And then I read this book, this, a small little book. It's called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. And I'd encourage you to maybe read that someday. It'd probably only take you like a day to read it. But I'm going to tell you a little story from the book. So this pastor, his name was Jim Cimbala, was pastoring a church about this size. But they were doing it in the middle of New York City. <laughs> and they had problem after problem after problem. And it got to a point where he actually got sick, almost like pneumonia, where he was just coughing and feeling terrible. And so his dad, who was overseeing the church, said, you need a vacation. You need to get out of here. So he sent him to Florida, and he found himself on a boat. And while he was on that boat, he looked over the side into the water. And when he looked over the side of the boat, God spoke to him. He said, no longer do I want you to focus on Sunday mornings. Sunday mornings are great. It's great that you get together on Sunday mornings to have church. But I want you to tell the church, the focus of our church is now going to be to pray. It's going to be on seeking after God. And so I want you to set up something where you're going to focus more attention on prayer. And so that's what he did. He went back to his church and he said, hey, this is what's going to happen. And this is what God also spoke to his heart. He said, if you do this... You'll never have to, you'll ha always have a lot of people attending your church and you'll never have a, a, a need for money. Money will never be a problem anymore and you'll never have space enough even to fill all these people that I'm going to send to you. And so he was like, let's try it, <laughs> you know, let's pray. And so we, they went back and they started a Tuesday night prayer service. And they just met for a Tuesday night, they sang a few songs and then they just prayed. And over time, this service started to grow. This prayer service started to grow. And miracles started to happen. And when I think about miracles today, you know, I think it's cool you can walk on water or feed 20,000 people. But what about a drug addict life being turned around? Isn't that a miracle? What about someone who's an orphan and now they become part of a family? Isn't that a miracle? You know, people's lives being changed is miracles. And that's what started happening in this church and, and now they have what's called the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. You've probably heard of that before. 
They go all over the world. They've written all kinds of music. And half of the choir is filled with ex-people who had problems with addictions or maybe they were in gangs or their lives have been changed by the power of Jesus. In fact, as I was reading their book, there's even stories of people just walking down the street and feeling urged to come into the church. Wouldn't that be cool if someone just walked down the street here and said, I don't know what's going on, but I got to go there into that church. You know, that's what was happening in this church. It was a fresh wind. There was a fresh fire. And so ever since then, I've been praying for miracles. You know, and I'm not saying I saw, I've seen thousands of them. But in different times, I'm like, feel like, wow, I don't know what's going on right now, but it feels like I'm walking on water. God is doing something in this place. And so I want to encourage you as we go forward the next few weeks, if you don't now, maybe spend a little more time praying. I would encourage you to pray, you know, because that's who's going to do the miracles. It's not going to be us. It's going to be Jesus doing the miracles. Or maybe today you need a miracle. You, you're in need of God doing something in your life. I would encourage you, before you do anything, start to pray. And just as I'm saying that, maybe there's someone you can share your need with and they can pray with you to believe for whatever you're looking for Jesus for. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for your word today. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're not done doing miracles. Lord Jesus, as I'm standing in this church, Lord, and as I look over this group of people, I can see miracles, people that you've done awesome things in their lives. And Lord, we just give you praise for that. We give you praise for what you're doing here at Trinity Church. And Lord God, we are excited that we will see more, more miracles, more people's lives being changed, more people coming to know you, Lord. And, Lord, I thank you for the verse that says that it's not going to be by our power or our might, but it's going to be by your spirit. And so, Lord, just continue to send your spirit here in an awesome way to draw people to you. And, Lord, I do, again, just pray if there's someone here looking for a miracle, if there's someone here that's sick in their body or maybe some of their loved ones are far away from you and they've been praying for a long time for them, Lord, I pray that even today would be the day that you heal someone's body, that you bring someone back to you, that you, Lord Jesus, would show people your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.